Well, good morning, everyone. I'd like to welcome you to our worship service this morning. Uh, I finished working through the book of Hebrews, as you know, if you've been uh, with us regularly. And so this week, Jake is going to be preaching from Matthew chapter 6. Uh, we have some worship songs, and Sam is going to be leading us in prayer. Then Jake's going to be opening up the Word of God to us. So we trust that this will be a time when you can uh, worship the Lord and where you can be edified. I just want to thank you so much. Uh, for all of your encouragement that you've been to us uh, as a staff over these months. Uh, we've been doing the very best that we can uh, as a community to continue to build fellowship and community and also to worship God. So here's another opportunity this morning to do that, and we trust that the Holy Spirit will guide us as we do.
Creswick. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted above all the nations. I will be exalted um, in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Let's pray together. We do thank you today, Father, that um, you are our refuge and our strength. Whatever we are facing, Father, we are thankful that you are sovereign and that you not only know all things, but you are working out all things according to your purpose in our lives. We would pray that you would be with us today. We express our praise and adoration for you and, and with you in, in uh, this time that we shared together. We would ask that you would be with us now. In the strong name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. This morning, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25 to the end of the chapter, verse 34. And the reason we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6 is because that's where I was reading when Steve said, hey, you should do the next message. So Matthew 6, beginning in verse 25, they're words that we're familiar with, words that we've heard before. They're in many different hymns and songs. They're uh, words that we're familiar with and words that we take to heart and that are very appropriate, actually, for the time that we're in, for um, the, the level of stress and anxiety that's going on in our society today. These are very appropriate words. These are the words of Jesus Christ himself as he speaks to his disciples. He says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, at a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you 
that not even Solomon, in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Father, as we consider this passage, please just help us to see it more clearly. Help us to put it to heart. Help it to take root deep in our hearts and to to impact us, to influence us. Help us to obey what Jesus says, to not worry. Help us to understand better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What I did when I was working through this passage is I, I saw three pairings that popped out to me as I was working through the passage and studying it and thinking it through. Three pairings. The first pairing was life and body. The second pairing was birds and flowers. And the third pairing was worry and assurance. So I, I broke them down into those three categories, those three pairings. And so let's just look at those three different pairings um, separately. The first one is life and body. Jesus begins by saying, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Jesus begins with the therefore, and as we've heard many times in many different sermons, the therefore is there for a reason. And it's there to tell us to look at what's come before, what Jesus has just said. And he says, think about what's being said in the previous verses, what he's just said. And what he's just said in the previous verses, verses 19 through 24, another familiar passage, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. You can't serve God in money. You will either pursue earthly treasures or heavenly treasures. You will either pursue the light or the darkness. You'll either pursue God or money. Jesus calls his disciples to think before they act. Think about what I've just said about who your master is, who you serve, who you will be serving and pursuing, money or God. And assuming that you pick the right one, assuming that you pick service to God over service to money, assuming that you choose heavenly treasures over earthly treasures, Jesus says this, do not worry. Which treasure is of more value? Obviously heaven. Then why do we worry about all of the earthly treasures? Do not worry. The master you serve determines your attitude and your action. It determines what you're seeking. It determines your level of anxiety and worry on the basis of who your master is, if it's God or if it's money. We will either be seeking God and his concerns or money, ourselves, our pride, and our concerns. Which direction do you go? Do not worry. Do not worry about your life. Do not worry about your body, what you eat, what you drink, what you will wear. Don't worry about those things because of who your master is. And that's an important thing to step back and say, who is my master? Who am I serving? Am I serving myself or am I serving God? Who do I truly serve? This is only true 
We can only lay hold of this if God is our master, if we serve God and not ourselves. We have every right to worry if we are serving ourselves. But if God is who we serve, Jesus says, do not worry. If physical life, if physical survival were the be-all and end-all of life, of who we are, of our existence in this world, if our physical bodies and our physical life were all that it was about, then we should have every right to worry about what we will eat and drink and wear, how we will warm ourselves, how we will take care of ourselves if this physical body is all that there is. But our existence is more than just physical life. Jesus says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Well, certainly our life is made up more than just of food and our body does more than just wear clothes. But what Jesus is saying is, your body, your life, and your body make up one part of who you are, one part of your existence. You were created by God. You were created as life. You were given a body. God created those things. He will take care of those things because they are just one small part of what God has been doing in you. Jesus is not saying that we should not plan, that we should not think, that we should not care or consider about the future. That's actually very clear in the scriptures. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Go, go see how there are examples in nature about how planning and preparing and thinking and working hard is good. But do not worry. Put aside your worry. Jesus is not putting away or saying that all thinking and planning should be put aside. He's saying that anxious thinking, worrisome planning, that should be done away with. He's actually saying it's incompatible with Christian living. It's incompatible with being a disciple of Jesus Christ, with having God as your master. In serving God, worry doesn't fit in anywhere into the equation. It's not, there, there is no such thing as a worrying Christian because we serve the God who made us and who cares for us. He says that worry is worthless, actually futile, but trust is well-based on the basis of our master. God created both life and body. That was the difficult part. That was the hard part. If you were to think on a scale of difficultness, difficult things that God does, creating life was the difficult part. Sustaining life, that's the easy part. Creating life, matter, this world out of nothing, that, that's, that's the difficult part. But us, our, our lives, sustaining us, keeping us alive, that, that's the easy part of the equation. And so Jesus almost works from, from the greater example to the lesser. If, if, if you serve God and were created by him, don't you see how it's obvious that he will take care of you? Don't you see that if he can take care of this big thing, your life, your body creating that, thinking up that, having the power and the authority to create out of nothing, he can take care of you. He can make sure that you're all right. He works from the greater to the lesser. We certainly cannot sustain life this way. We, we can't do anything about that. Verse 27 says, Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? You can't change anything. You can't, but God can. You can't sustain, but God can. 
the second pairing that, that we see in here are the birds and the flowers. The examples that Jesus gives to show how God cares. Verse 26 says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. They're just birds. And this is one of the most uh, encouraging passages for us as believers. It's also, if you just take a step back, it's one of the most mind-boggling passages. Jesus tells us to go bird watching. Jesus tells us to go out into a field, go out into the forest, sit in your back porch, look at the birds in the springtime when they make their nests. Look at the birds as they're flying around picking up sticks and worms and bugs. God cares for them. And this is where we see Jesus. He's, he has just argued from the greater to the lesser. Now he argues from the lesser to the greater. If God cares for the birds, if God cares for the flowers of the field, if they grow and are sustained by him, you can be assured that he's going to take care of you. You are far more important than flowers and birds. We are the only thing in all of creation made in his image. If God's going to take care of the birds, he will take care of his image bearers. We can be assured of that. We're told to bird watch. We're told to go look at the flowers. Some people talk about watching paint dry or grass grow. Jesus actually directs us to the fields. Look at the grass of the field. Look at how they're clothed in all these different flowers. Whether it's a lily or whether it's a rose, in some sense it doesn't matter what kind of flower it is. Flowers are incredible. And this is one thing that I find amazing. When I watch my kids and how excited they get over dandelions. They're weeds. They're really not flowers, and yet they're excited and amazed by the bright yellow colors. They think they look pretty. They pick them to give them to their mother. They are excited by the thing that they just found in the field, and dandelions are everywhere. And we may not think they're pretty, but God had made them grow. Now, we, we may work back against that. We may say that it's an example of sin and the pervasiveness of sin and how it's worked itself into the ground that they grow everywhere and they get in the way and they choke out grass and they choke out real pretty flowers that we care about and they get into the vegetable garden and they, they take up space. Yes, all of those things. But have we actually looked at them? Have we actually looked at the birds? Have we actually paid attention? Not just, not just seen them because we see birds all the time. We're, we're astounded by, you know, the big, great eagle. And we're astounded by the cool owl or whatever bird. But the little sparrow, the little robin, the blue jay, the cardinal, their pretty colors, they're, they're, the different ways in which they, they look for food, the different ways in which they build their nest. This is actually a good example of how we are called to work hard but not worry. A bird works very hard, but it does not worry. We are called to work, but not to worry. Jesus is not promising freedom from work by saying, do not worry about what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about what you will wear. Jesus is not saying, do not work for those things. Elsewhere in scripture, we see that the workman deserves his wages and that the one who does not work should not be paid, should not be fed. So we are called to work, and we are called to work hard. We are called to work the ground, 
That was Adam's job at the very beginning. And we are called to work and serve one another and ultimately work and serve God. Yes, we are called to work. So what Jesus is not saying is do not worry about those things and then never pursue those things. Never work towards having those things because we need those things to live. But do not worry. Work and do not worry. Jesus is not promising freedom from work and he's not promising freedom from responsibility. So that if we do not have, well, it's not my fault. Or when we do not have so that we cannot give, oh, that's not my fault. We are called to be responsible with what we have, to work hard and to, to get all that we need, but not to worry about it. Not to have that anxious, anxiety-driven motivation to get as much as we can. We think of the, uh, in the Old Testament, the Israelites, they were told by Moses, who was instructed by God, manna will come. It will come and it will, be, it will be all over the ground and you are to pick up only as much as you need. For every day, every morning, there will be more. You pick up just as much as you need, except on the sixth day. Pick up twice as much because the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. You do not pick up any. There were some who were lazy or who maybe didn't take Moses seriously. They didn't pick up twice as much on the sixth day. They went hungry on the seventh. There were those who were a little nervous, a little worried, and they took too much on the second, third, fifth day. They took twice as much than they should have because they weren't quite sure if God was going to provide on the next day. And we're told that it was moldy. We were told that it went bad. Moses was furious. Why did you not trust that God would care for you? It's the same with us. We're in a different context. We're in a different relationship in terms of society and nation and how things work. Different agricultural society. Different way in which we get food. Different way in which we get clothing. But are you worrying? Or are you trusting God? The Father that cares for them is the Father that cares for you. Because it actually says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Not their heavenly Father, as if there's two different fathers, there's two different people that are caring. The same Father that cares for these birds, that cares for creation, cares for you. He loves you. The same God that said, these flowers look better than Solomon in all that he had. Which we only have some historical evidence of what, how spectacular, how splendid Solomon's gardens would have looked. How spectacular his palace would have looked. How good his clothes would have looked. And yet we're told the lilies of the field. They're clothed way better than Solomon ever could have been. Handcrafted by God taken care of by the hand of God himself, out in the field, looks better, is clothed better, has everything that they need because of their father, because of our father. In verse 27, we already mentioned, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? The answer is no. <laughs> that's, the, that's the obvious answer. That's the clear. And nobody can worry their way to more years. Nobody 
can be anxious enough to live longer. In fact, worry and anxiety usually shortens our life instead of it prolongs it or expands it or makes it longer. Worry just makes things worse. There's actually some uh, interpretational dispute, just slightly, in that phrase, whether it's talking about adding a single hour or adding a single span, um, adding you know a, a height to ourselves. Can you worry yourself to live longer? No. Well, maybe it actually says, can you worry yourself and actually grow taller? The answer is still no. In some sense, it does matter what it says, but the point is still the same. Your worry will get you nowhere. Whether you want to grow taller, whether you want to live longer, whether you want more of this or more of that, worry will not get you there. So why worry? Worry is futile. It changes nothing. And yet worry might be the one thing that everybody does. Anxiety might be the one thing that every person has on a different scale. We all have pride. We all have anger over some things. We all have happiness and joy and experience different uh, levels of emotion. Some people are more joyous than others. Some people are more angry than others. Some people are more anxious than others. Some people are more worrisome than others. And Jesus, speaking to his disciples specifically, those who follow him, who serve God and are cared for and loved by him, he says, do not worry. Look at the birds and the flowers. They don't worry. And yet they are taken care of. Do not worry. And that leads to our our third pairing, which is worry and assurance. And the natural question then is, okay, we serve God. We pursue heavenly treasures over earthly treasures. We are told, look at the birds, look at the flowers. We understand that we don't need to worry. God takes care of them. He will take care of us. If he created us, he can certainly, if if he can take care of creating life, he can take care of sustaining it. Yes, I understand all of that logically. And I understand that Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, which is very important. This is not just some good idea. It is the creator of the universe saying, do not worry. The natural question then is, why do we worry? Why do we continually feel anxious? Why are there always those fears and doubts and worries that creep into our lives? The pagans worry. Verse 32, the pagans run after all these things. They worry about food and water and clothing. Why do the pagans worry? The pagans worry because they had no assurance in their lives. They had no assurance that their gods were actually taking care of them. They make that offering, they make that sacrifice, they do whatever it is they're supposed to do at the pagan temple of worship, they, they go to the, that altar, they go to this place or, or, or that, they make that pilgrimage, they do whatever they're supposed to do, and there is no assurance that they have actually been heard. There is no assurance that, that their God will take care of them. In fact, a lot of pagan religions, ancient Near Eastern pagan religions, were actually concerned about just appeasing and keeping the gods at bay, not actually being cared for, not actually being loved and cared for by somebody that loved them. The pagans worry about those things. They rush after, seek after, run after those things because their gods gave them no assurance that they were cared for. But your heavenly Father knows that you need them. 
And this is one thing that we, we don't want to skip over when we read through this passage. Jesus is not saying that food and water and clothing is unimportant. Because your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. We recognize that we need these things. Our Heavenly Father recognizes that we need these things. That they are important for the sustaining of our life. It's the worry we don't need. We need these things, not the worry about how we're going to get them, how we're going to have them. And we do not need to worry because we are assured that He cares for us. We are often worried about, if we were to step back and think about what am I worried about, we're worried about our earthly treasures. We're worried about hanging on to those things that we have that really don't matter. We're worried about our retirement savings, which is important, which is right, which should be done. But God will take care of us. Even if you have no savings when you retire, the Lord will care for you. We often worry about how we're going to pay off the mortgage. We need to pay off our mortgage. We need to pay off the house or we need to pay our rent or pay our bills. Those are important things that we need to do. That's how society works and functions. And yet we don't need to worry about it. That does not mean that we don't pay them. And we just hope that somehow miraculously money just plops itself into the bank's lap and pays for our bills. But it means that if we're not quite sure exactly how all things will work out, we do not need to worry. We do not need to be anxious. We are often worried about our boats, our cottages, our cars, getting to the, the, the Leafs game, whatever it is. We're worried about how am I going to afford that or how can I get there or how can I fill in the blank. We all have different things that we worry about, and yet if we categorize them properly, we'd recognize, I'm not really worried about food, I'm worried about a lot of food. I'm not really worried about water, I'm worried about having enough juice and pop and all sorts of extra junk stuff that I don't need. I'm not worried about clothes and being warm in the wintertime. I'm worried about having the latest fashion. I'm worried about having the next best thing. I'm worried about having the next phone. How am I going to get that? Or... Well, I really need that. I, I worry not how am I going to get that, but if I don't get that, I'm worried that people might think that I, I, I'm, not, I'm not rich enough to have those things. I'm not cool enough to have those things. This is where we can be grateful for the pastor we've had for eight and a half years. He has not been worried in the least about being up to date in terms of fashion and the newest phones and gizmos and gadgets. He has set a great example for us in terms of what it means to not worry about earthly treasures. But we need not worry about anything that we need, for our Heavenly Father knows that. So, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. Seek His kingdom and His righteousness. We all seek something. We all seek pleasure. We will all seek comfort. We will all seek something in this world. What are we seeking? Are we seeking something that is earthly bound or heavenly bound? Where do your ambitions lie? What makes you get out of bed in the morning? What are your goals in life? That's the big question of the passage, is where is your goal 
And are you worried about it? If your goal is set for things here on earth, we will always worry because they will always disappear. They will always go bad. They will either rust and be destroyed. They will be eaten by moths or vermin. That's what the passage prior to ours says. They will always disappear if our goal is on earthly things. But set your mind on heavenly things. Jesus is telling his disciples that your personal security, your personal pleasures, your personal comfort, the things here on this earth that everybody else, every other non-follower of Jesus Christ, in every other area that they're looking for, that's what everybody else is looking for, put that aside. Don't worry about all of those things. Pursue God. Pursue His kingdom and His righteousness. Jesus really just simplifies these things into two categories. There's personal security or God's kingdom. What do you pursue? What do you want more? Do you want His righteousness? Do you want to pursue a life of full submission to Him? Is that what you're pursuing? A life of obedience? And what does that look like? Well, we're smack dab in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is explaining, been explaining what kingdom living looks like, what life inside the kingdom of God looks like. So if you want to seek his kingdom, you want to seek his righteousness, you want to pursue those things instead of earthly things, read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. That's what it looks like. And how do you know if we are living in God's kingdom, if we as a corporate body, both here at Crestwick and both as, as the church here in Guelph and globally in Ontario, you, you just however big you want to expand, how do we know that this is what the kingdom of God actually is? Does it look like this? Does it look like what Jesus described? And of course it's not perfect. Of course it doesn't look exactly like this, but this is the goal. This is what we're working towards, what we're looking forward to. A life of full submission to the will of God and what he's called us to do. This passage ends with, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough worries. And that old phrase, tomorrow never comes, we should take that and fit that into our theology of worry. If tomorrow never comes, and we are never to worry about tomorrow today, then we will never worry. I, I don't have time right now to worry. I, I need to pursue his kingdom and his righteousness. I'll worry tomorrow. And then the next day, well, it's today already. I have a job to do. His kingdom and his righteousness, that's my goal. I don't need to worry. Next day. And it just keeps getting pushed back and back and back. And verse 34 basically says, Therefore, you will never worry if you always put it off till tomorrow. There's, there's a, a joke that an old pastor once told about a man who was just filled with anxiety and worry. I remember him telling this story and he said, he was, this man was, he was worried about how to make payments for the car and how to make payments for the mortgage and how they were going to pay for groceries. He was worried about a dozen things. How do you pay for the kids' college? <clears throat> how do you pay for all of these things? You're just never sure. 
Am I going to have a job tomorrow? How do I know I won't get fired? He was just constantly worried, 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 worried. And then one day, one of his friends noticed that he was no longer worried. So he asked him, he said, well, I noticed that you're very calm today. You're not worried or anxious about anything. How is that possible? What, what's changed? What's different? And the man said, well, actually, I hired somebody to do my worrying for me. I hired that out. He, he takes care of my worrying for me. And the man, his friend said, well, that's incredible. I didn't know you could do that. That's amazing. How much do you pay him? The man answered and said, I pay him $1,000 a day. His friend went, $1,000 a day? Oh my goodness, that's incredible. How can you afford that? How can you afford to pay him $1,000 a day? And the man says, oh, that's his worry. He'll take care of that for me. It's a silly joke. And in some ways, it doesn't have perfect theology. In a lot of ways, it doesn't have perfect theology. But do we recognize that we have somebody else who does the worrying for us? That God, our Father, our Heavenly Father, has said, do not worry. I will take care of you. If you need help seeing how that works or understanding that truth, look to the birds. Look to the flowers. God cares for them. Of course he cares for you, his children. And I think perhaps the greatest example that we could ever see, the greatest assurance we could ever have, because that's what the pagans didn't have, was assurance. That's what we lack sometimes is assurance. We, we can trust, we can hope, <coughs> we can trust, we can hope, but our hope is more like, I hope the Leafs win the Stanley Cup, or I hope that it doesn't rain tomorrow so I can go to this place. I, I hope, but there's no assurance built into that. There's no foundation to actually sit that on. It, hope is just some airy thing that we wish for. The hope that's built in God, the trust that we have in God, the assurance that we have in God is well-founded and well-rooted. Because we look to the birds, we look to the flowers, and more importantly, we look to the cross. We see that the biggest trouble in the world, and we may face many troubles in the future, there are many believers today that are facing worse troubles than we are here in Canada. But we can know that if God not only worked out the worst trouble in the world, the crucifixion of the only holy and righteous person to ever live, he didn't just work that out for good, work that out for our salvation. He planned that. He had that set in his mind and was working together, the Father, Son, and Spirit, working together to accomplish that one goal. And if he can work out the salvation of lost souls at the cross. We can trust him to take care of us. We can trust that this is what can astound us sometimes if we step back. We trust God for the salvation of our souls, and yet we sometimes worry about how am I going to pay the next bill? Dear Christian, brothers and sisters, I understand your worry. I feel those anxieties myself, more so now than ever before. But look to the cross. Look to what God has done through his son on the cross and trust him. Be assured that God cares for you and loves you and that you will not slip through the cracks. You can trust him. He is our heavenly father who cares for the birds, 
and the flowers, and for me and you, you can trust him. May God help us to see that, to see the cross more clearly, to love him more deeply, and to trust him more fully. discouraged why should the shadows come why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home when Jesus is my portion a constant friend is he Yeah.